the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Over the last couple of programs, Pastor Gary Wagner has reminded us that we are not to let sin reign in us, but consider ourselves alive to God. Well, this requires a yielding of ourselves to God, as we'll see next. Join us. How do you avoid sin? How do you keep it from reigning in your body, as it were, as Paul says here in Romans 6? Well, today we're going to continue our exploration of this passage in Romans. Yield yourself to God. That's the answer. Join us for a very encouraging look at what Paul records for us in Romans chapter 6. Here's Pastor Gary Wagner with today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. Yield yourself to God. Until God comes to us by his grace, we will love the world and we will love sins, our sins too much to come to Christ. We're kind of like the rich young ruler. Remember, he went away from Jesus very sorrowful because he had great possessions that he didn't want to give up. We all have things we don't want to give up because we're afraid. Jesus calmly instructed this man to give all of his possessions to the poor. Why is that? It is not that wealth is evil in and of itself. Even though we do need to remember, especially in our age, it is very hard for a rich man to enter into God's kingdom. But the point here is that his possessions were his idol. He loved them. He would give up anything but that. That was his God. And we cannot worship God and money. Doesn't repentance itself necessitate a forsaking of sin and a going toward God? We don't like negativity today, do we? Forsaking, separation. Nine of the Ten Commandments have a really bad three-letter word in them. Not. N-O-T. Why is that? Because there are certain things God simply hates and will not tolerate. And we can't apologize for this to others or water down the gospel or try to find flowery ways to describe what God has said very clearly and directly. Don't do. When we tolerate what God forbids, we see what happens, don't we? Whole churches and denominations, once flowering branches, have become diseased, many perhaps fatally. They embraced false doctrine, evolutionary theology, immoral practices. You see, when we come to God and we want to keep coming to him and keep faith in him, it requires separation from what he has forbidden. 2 Corinthians 6.17, come out from among them and be separate, says 
the Lord. But we can't stop with separation. There is more. And we do a grave injustice to holiness and to the gospel of God if we stop there. There is a positive side. Not that the other side is really uh, not positive, but I think you get my point. I'm using the negative positive paradigm, separation and consecration. The sins in our lives must be replaced with a positive consecration, a yielding of ourselves, a coming to Christ, as Paul teaches us here in verse 13. This is the reason our Savior died. Do you remember his personal name? Not his official name, Christ, but his personal name, Yahshua. And you shall call his name Jesus or Yahshua, for he shall save his people from their sins. And that is what he does. It's not that he just saves us from the consequences of those sins in hell. He saves us from sin. It's dominion. It's hold over us. He died to make us God's workmanship, a people who are created in him unto good works. Before we can walk that path, we have to forsake, make a decisive break with the sins that God abhors. We have to resist sin. No more giving in to its attempts to reassert dominion over us. But, but of course, we can't do this. So God breaks its hold over us. He comes by his spirit and gives us new life in his son. And he becomes a father to us. And he blesses us with his presence. And he says, call upon me. At all times, call upon me. I'll be a father unto you, and you will be my sons and daughters. So don't forget these two sides, beloved, to holiness. Holiness is a separation. There is a not. There are some things God says, don't do, uh, don't think, uh, don't go there, don't be with them, don't. But it is also a positive consecration, yielding ourselves to him a pleasure and a joy in obeying him, as we'll see today in verse 13. Now, we need to be careful when we talk about verse 13, yielding ourselves to God, because there are errors on this side, like we saw last week with the separation side or the negative side. We have to be careful, for example, not to view this yielding as a sentimental surrender, You know, let's just throw a stick in the fire and have a high for God. You know what always happens when that route is pursued? Whatever form it takes, God's commandments are simply ignored. And they're viewed as burdensome and they are neglected. But because we have to have something to live by, some kind of rule, what do we do? We wind up making it up ourselves. Fundamentalism is an example of that. Spiritualism, the slogan of the deism, even antinomianism in its worst forms. Both separation from sin and yielding to God must be defined by God's word alone. Or we will inevitably run astray into the extremes we see in the church today. 
And we see two particularly extremes in the church today. There's a growing use of what is called power adjectives. Things like radical, crazy, extreme. Let's just throw off everything we knew before as if piety is leaving God's constraints and leaving the safe fields that our shepherd has directed to us in his word. But holiness is nothing of the sort. Nor, and this may be more appropriate to us, there are those when it comes to holiness who never seem to be able to get over giving purely negative views of everything, condemning the evils of the times, being moral judges, censors, sitting back smugly in their elitism, condemning everyone and everything else. Again, neither one of these is holiness. Holiness is a Christ-loving, grace-empowered separation, resistance to sin, and it is an active, adoring, yielding of ourselves to God unto righteousness. Now let's pay attention now for a few minutes to verse 13. The Holy Spirit, of course, is our only safe teacher, and he tells us what new life is like. He said, remember, verse 11, we have a new identity in Christ. We are dead to sin and we are alive to God through him. Therefore, we must constantly be meditating upon what our Savior has done for us and who we are in him. So in verse 12 then, we are to resist sin. We don't let it reign in us. We talked about this last week, remember? Why is this? Because our Lord Jesus, not sin, rules over us. So the Holy Spirit teaches us now in verse 13 that we are not to yield ourselves, our bodies, their members, any part of us, our thoughts, our desires to sin. Now what does to yield mean? It's very important that we understand this. It means to stand beside. It means to present oneself to, to bring oneself into, with something, a fellowship with something. I'll say that again, just so you got it. To bring oneself into fellowship with something, like our sin. So basically, the point of the first half of verse 13 is that we are not to bring ourselves into fellowship or even nearness, closeness to sin. We are to stand separate from it, to stay as far away as possible from all unrighteousness. Notice a very important fact. God defines what we must stay away from. It's not man's whims. It's not social customs. God does this. Many people today in the church think of sin in terms of a violation or violating something. I mean, can you imagine... You've got to think back a little bit to all the ire that we have seen in our culture over someone like Paula Deen. You remember Paula Deen? She was a very famous TV chef. And she said the N-word over 30 years ago, something considered to be so horrible. And yet how many times 
is the name of God blasphemed every day in this culture, in our movies, even in Congress. So I guess it's an awful thing to disrespect or blaspheme any race, but not so the living God. We have to be very careful that we don't let our culture define what sin is for us. God defines it, and he says it is unrighteous. It is disobedience to what God has decreed that we are not to yield ourselves to sin. And if we are not to do this, we've got to know what God approves of and what he forbids, which means we've got to be close, very carefully students of God's word. Now listen. Since positive consecration to God is not yielding ourselves to sin in any way, to unrighteousness, we are taught here that consecration, yielding piety, is not spiritual frenzy. Too much today that passes for Christian holiness and piety is, come, let us have an adventure for God. Do something great for God. Let's have elevated emotions for God. This is the age in which we live. And the church becomes victim of that Super Bowl mentality. The latest, the greatest, the biggest, the next best thing. But behind all of this, there is a very twisted and dangerous spirituality that is really false. Because God has to define our yielding. And he says that yielding to him consists first in resisting rejecting all sin in our lives and refusing to yield to it, not emotionalism in the church. Notice in verse 13, a special concern is the body again. It's members. Because the Holy Spirit also rejects the false spirituality that says all we need is to feel close to God in our heart of hearts, but then in our bodies and With our families, we can do whatever we want to do. Think of the man who's very concerned about keeping up public religious opinion about himself. Keeping up appearances and yet he treats his children badly and he neglects his wife. Think about the person who's always following the latest slogans and fads and talks about knowing God and feeling so close to him. And yet behind the scenes... He indulges in pornography or fornicating. Real spirituality is not yielding anywhere to sin, inside, outside, body, mind, heart, however you want to talk about it. Holiness requires a firm, unflinching refusal to yield the sin. Very close to what we saw last week, to the death. We are not to become a tool for it in any part of our lives. So maybe we should stop here for a minute and just weep. Because in and of ourselves, we can't stop yielding to sin. It is totally beyond us. Look at what Paul says over in Romans 7.23. But I see another law in my members Warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law which is in my members. Don't we feel that? I I know I'm not supposed to yield to sin, my body, my members, no no part of me. 
And yet there's this other law, this other principle, back to Romans 6, that is trying to re-exert its dominance in me. I can't resist it without Christ. O wretched man, Paul concludes in 724, that I am who will deliver me from the body of this death. Do you want to make progress in holiness this week? Ask God to help you feel your wretchedness more. Not as an end in itself, but notice verse 25 comes right after verse 24. Isn't that amazing? Will you declare, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. I I come back to the one who has the victory. Because it's not me. It is him. He has died to the power of sin. He has been raised to newness of life. I feel my wretchedness. I look away from myself. Isn't that what the blind man had to do to be healed? He had to be screaming out to the Lord Jesus, Son of God, have mercy upon me. He didn't go, Son of God, have mercy upon me. No, he was screaming. No one was going to stop this man. The leper, let them throw stones at me. Let them scream at me. I'm clean, unclean. There is only one person who can heal me. Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. That has got to be our spirit in this separation from sin that is integral to holiness. And thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. For Jesus has prevailed. I can't. But I'm going to keep looking to him, keep trusting in him, so that the more I feel my wretchedness, which you will feel, then I will call out to him. You know, the holiest men have always felt their wretchedness. Job said, I am vile. Job was one of the three holiest men who lived throughout the entire old covenant period. And he said, I am vile. He said, now is this true of any of us? I loathe myself. Do you know what that is? That is a self-hatred, a disgust of self. I loathe myself and I repent in dust and ashes, he said. But don't stop with the loathing. Feel your wretchedness, yes, but go to Christ He swallowed up that wretchedness, beloved. He has died to the power of sin. He has life, vigor, the dew of his youth. He says, this is my day. The womb of the morning come to me. I have life. I have fullness. It is in the Lord Jesus Christ alone. And you know, the more you feel your weakness, the more you're going to pray. That is a good way to tell, by the way where you are mentally and spiritually. Are you praying without ceasing? I'm struggling with this. I want to do more. But are you praying? Prayer is born, as Calvin said, out of a sense of need. I need God. I have no strength to be a faithful father. Fathers, you have no strength. You may have thought, hey, we had family worship two days last week. And, and we sat down just yesterday and we read the Bible together. And that is all great. But 
You will not be able to continue it at that rate anyway. And you will not have the strength unless Jesus himself self comes to you by his spirit and encourages you with his word and gives you the strength to persevere. Which means, dads and moms, you need to be in the word regularly. So when you hear Paul say, resist sin in your members, don't yield to it, don't stand near to it, don't enter into fellowship with it, don't think, hey, I can do that. Think, I need Jesus. Because the things I don't want to do, I wind up doing in my filth. Christ is the victory, beloved. He is the righteous. He is the life. Now, holiness is one more step. It's not just the yielding, not yielding to sin. It is also, notice there in verse 13, a yielding of ourselves to God. In English, yield has the sense of surrender or to give way to something. That is most likely a secondary application, perhaps, of what we could draw here. But the primary sense is to bring ourselves near to God, to present ourselves before Him, to draw near to Him for fellowship, and to stand before Him. The verb often has a military connotation. And Paul was, of course, fond of those kinds of analogies, as we know from Ephesians 6 and the whole armor of God. And if he intends that here, the imagery would be very, very vivid, like soldiers standing erect, waiting for their commander's orders. We present ourselves to you, God, watching for a nod from you to do your will, to carry out your orders. That does not convey very much. That that does convey very much the imperative nature of this command of yielding ourselves to God. Do you know what happens if you yield Yourself to sin, personal harm, injury possibly to your bodies, misery for sure. We often think God is like a a credit counselor. You know, we, we call him up. We might give him three minutes of prayer and we confess some things and he just gets on his computer, hits the delete button and everything is erased. Now it is true. That God puts all of our sins behind his back and throws it into the depths of the sea, as Micah said. But we need to remember that just because God forgives our sins and doesn't bring bring us into the judgment for them, that does not mean that we can have an attitude that is cavalier. Well, sin doesn't really matter that much then. But remember... Forgiveness does not erase the very devastating impact that sin can have upon lives for generations to come. When we contemplate sin, we need to be horrified. You need to think to yourself, now if I say this, what's going to come of it? If I look at this moral image, I can always ask God later to forgive me, right? And it is easier to ask for forgiveness than it is to ask for permission, particularly when you already know the answer will be no. So I'll just do it now. No one will know. Oh, Lord, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. We know we're not going to go to hell for this. And you may not, but the image may so sear your conscience. 
And God may so chasten you for your willful presumption that you are weakened and battered for years because you played fast and loose with your sin. And that'll bring us to the end of our time today here on Abounding Grace with our teacher and pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. Thank you for joining us today. It's our hope and prayer that we've been able to encourage you in Christ and stimulate your walk in him. To address questions, comments, prayer requests, or concerns, please call or write to us. We'd love to talk with you. 408-866-5607 is our phone number, 408-866-5607. You're also welcome to visit our website. Drop us an email when you do, reformedheritage.org. Real simple, reformedheritage.org. A lot of information there about who we are. We would invite you again to stop by, reformedheritage.org. Or if you're writing to us, the address is PMB, post mailbox, 402. And the address is 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California, 95032. That address can be found on our website, reformedheritage.org, or again, simply call 408-866-5607. Copies of today's program are just $5. Mention today's date and we'll get a CD out to you. And please remember that we are listener-supported which means when you link arms with us financially, we're able to continue the ministry here on this station. It's a great way to study God's Word together, isn't it? And we'd love to continue to do so. Would you prayerfully consider how God might be leading you to partner with us? We'd love to hear from you. Again, won't you call 408-866-5607 or reformedheritage.org. Sunday services, by the way, if you'd like to join us, are 2 in the afternoon. We're located at Lone Hill Church, 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions can be found at our website, reformedheritage.org. Again, Sunday services are at 2 p.m. Further information can be found again at reformedheritage.org or by calling 408-866-5607. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, God bless. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.